It is Thursday, December 7th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Callums. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, a federal grant for immigrant integration in Arkansas. So our immigrant community is everywhere in Arkansas, and we actually are largely transforming the face of rural Arkansas, both the communities and the economy. Plus, the Arkansas Secretary of State's office prepares for counting signatures for proposed state constitutional amendments. Uh, they have to be a registered voter and so forth, and of course the, uh, the canvasser has to uh, be qualified to be a canvasser yeah. as well. And light and music combine in Leo Ribe's latest sound perimeter. Lighting music can be presented in many ways. Whether it is metaphorical or literal, its presence has the potential to shape listeners' emotions and atmospheres. First, the news. It's time for the KUAF and Friends Holiday Giveaway, your chance to win a gift from one of many generous KUAF underwriters, including Hillberry Music Festival, Spaceberry Music Festival, Opal Agafia's Ozark Mountain Soul, and more. Winners announced December 8th during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large. Details and registration at KUAF.com. KUAF is supported by Penguinette's Barbecue, open for curbside pickup seven days a week at Mission and Crossover in Fayetteville, and open seven days a week with dine-in, patio, and curbside pickup at the historic B&B location. PenguinEds.com for menus. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, December 7th, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Ozarks at Large, a production of 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I bring up listener-supported because Mm -hmm. we are now uh, getting close to the end of our season of giving on-air fundraiser. That's right. We are in the penultimate day of the fundraiser. That's just a fun way to say next to last day. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that a couple of years ago. Uh, but in this penultimate day of the fundraiser, uh, we're here to remind you that this is possible uh, because of listener support, because of listeners who make a contribution on a regular basis to keep public radio available to the entire listening community. Whether you pay or whether you don't pay, KUAF is available to you in a whole lot of ways, in large part because of the support of listeners who prioritize and make a point to make public radio available through contributions. You've probably been listening for some time. You deeply value the reporting that you hear every day on Morning Edition and Ozarks at Large and all things considered. You've listened during pledge drives like this one and thought, yeah, I should really give something to KUAF. Well, as we're almost done with 2023, perfect time to do it. You budget for the things that are necessary in your life. Put KUAF into that category. We play an essential role in our community and in our democracy, pursuing truth independently with deeply researched journalism. Listener support makes up the largest share of KUAF's funding. Listener support is what keeps KUAF independent, free of commercial and political influence, and keeps it available to everyone. So before we end 2023... Why don't you give now? You can make a monthly contribution of $5, $10, $12 a month. You can do a one-time gift. You can do it all at supportkuaf.com. Arkansas United was recently awarded a $250,000 federal grant from the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services for work on immigration integration in Arkansas. Mireya Reif is the founding executive director for Arkansas United, a nonprofit focusing on immigration advocacy for the last 13 years. Reith says she sees their work as a bridge between the immigrant community 
and Arkansas, and the policymakers at all government levels. But then we also are committed to what we call service navigation for the immigrant community. And when all of it, all of our work, whether it's advocacy or navigators, we center immigrant leadership. We believe that immigrants are change agents. Uh, They have change that they would like to see uh, in Arkansas, and they're excited to be part of it. And so we do a lot of development of their organizing skills, their leadership skills, their information that they have about the community. But then we also help them fulfill their own uh, dreams, um, looking at English, looking at the immigration process, Uh, So in fulfilling their family's potential, they can fulfill the potential of their communities. What do we know about immigrant populations in Arkansas and what might surprise our audience about this community? Well, we're really proud that Arkansas has the fourth fastest growing immigrant population in the country and that has been now for two decades and um, that over 60% of the community lives in rural communities of 8,000 or less. So our immigrant community is everywhere in Arkansas, and we actually are largely transforming the face of rural Arkansas, both the communities and the economy. But our immigrant community, um, because we are a few decades into this boom, the majority of immigrants have lived here at least 10 years. So that means that um, they're not just establishing their lives here, but they are having children here and their children are also establishing lives. And um, all you have to do is look at Arkansas schools. Uh, There are school districts um, where uh, now the majority of the students are Hispanic. Uh, The primary school of DeQueen is one of those examples, 80% Hispanic. And the state overall has seen more than a doubling of Hispanic students while other racial and ethnic groups have been declining. So we're not just changing the face of Arkansas now. Um, Immigrants look for to changing the face of who Arkansas is in the future, and hence why uh, being part of the change in our state is so important to us, because it is our home too. You were recently awarded a quarter million dollar grant from United States Citizen and Immigration Services. What does the process look like to apply for this sort of funding? So um, we are very excited. This is the first time Arkansas as a state has won uh, this citizenship grant. Um, and it's definitely our first federal grant at Arkansas United in our 13-year history. And that is because it is not an easy grant process. The applications are entailed. You do have to put forth quite a few um, details and statistics, but you also have to tell the story, the story of your organization, the story of your state. And it is a process that is benefited by letters of support. And we were really lucky that a lot of our service providers who have been helping us with um, the immigrant integration and citizenship pieces of this grant uh, were very enthusiastic uh, to write uh, those letters of support that we think were what made the difference for our application this year. I imagine that you're having a lot of conversations with people who have just gone through the process or are fairly fresh to taking parts of these and and you're constantly revamping and you're constantly thinking about, oh, that's good. We should start doing those sorts of services too, right? 
Yes. Well, that's where um, Arkansas United, uh, even before we applied to USCIS, we knew we had to shore up the referral process for immigrants. So much of of, uh, how um, that service provision happens with immigrants is less about the specific issue and it's more about the trust relationship. And once you open that door of trust, then any range of issues can come out there. And we're really lucky uh, in Arkansas since COVID, there's been a really intentional effort, especially by health providers and the department. Department of Education to map out different service providers. We do not duplicate efforts. Instead, we put in the hands of our community navigators who themselves are first-generation immigrants, um, those tools and resources, but we do it in a centralized place. And, and we find that those networks a lot of times work best depending on what part of the state. And because our staff and our navigators have been using these resources for multiple years, we can speak from experience in regards to how these different resources resources, interplay, and which ones are best, and where somebody who's trying to get into the referral system offers. That's actually something within USCIS. We can onboard other nonprofits and schools to also offer that same referral system, um, which is an online portal that we do. And then because um, with referrals, it's it's never stagnant. Um, it's always changing. We have a community of practice of other folks who are also doing referrals with immigrants in Arkansas. And And that's probably one of the things we're most proud of. We're in live time telling each other what we're learning, what questions are coming forth, and we're able to track what are the major issues so that in turn, we can do education to our navigators, to our partners, but also to the community itself. And um, and our community, the immigrant community, uses Facebook actively. And so that's something else we promised USCIS. Uh, We, on almost a biweekly basis, do what we call charlas, informational sessions by Facebook that give a chance, especially for immigrant adults to kind of tap in, hear from different service providers, learn about different issues. Again, you don't know what you don't know. So it's so much about inspiring knowledge and thinking about things in a new way. But we've now promised to integrate citizen and different civic themes into those charlas as a result of the USCIS grant for the next two years. Let's talk a little bit more about what you plan on using this this funding for. You've talked a little bit about uh, integrating Facebook and using that as an avenue to reach people and to inform people. What other uh, what other work are you planning to do with this funding? We're committing to doing 16,000 needs assessments uh, of immigrants uh, over these next two years. Um, And we're engaging an army of community navigators um, and partners uh, to be able to do that. Our past experience with needs assessments um, and talking to the community, helping them figure out um, how they can tell us what they need and what whether they might be eligible for different things is something that we've been proud to hone since COVID. And now we get to put uh, to the battle toward us of citizenship. And the reason 16,000, it's estimated that there's about 35 to 40,000 legal permanent residents eligible to become citizens. So we want to say we're going to tackle about half of that, right? And and really start making a case um, to diminishing um, that gap between people who are qualified and eligible um, and actually get the citizenship. Um, And those needs assessments are in turn forming four working groups. Uh, We have a working group of employers, of municipalities, of schools, and then other immigrant serving nonprofits. And then um, we are looking forward to holding 10 what we call immigrant integration fairs, where we will actually have um, attorneys, we'll have those um, service providers who do the citizenship and the English work. Um, But depending on the communities and other collaborators, we have the opportunity 
opportunities to sign up people for tax IDs so they can get financial products. We have the chance to have booths uh, for workforce development opportunities or educational opportunities. We have the opportunities to do health fairs. And we've designed all of this based on our very successful collaborative model of back to school events that we've been doing the last years to try and tackle COVID. And I will say that the health um, institutions in the state with whom we collaborate have graciously shared with us, Hispanics are the highest vaccinated group in the state of Arkansas. And we know that those fairs did a great work, especially with those that have barriers around maybe status or additional fears. They they have a great ability of drawing out and letting us uh, make uh, big accomplishments in short periods of time. Yeah, trust is such a huge element of community and and feeling a part of where you are in so many ways. And I feel like this probably uh, leads really well into the Together Towards Citizenship and Innovation Project. Tell me a little bit about what that work is going to be and, and how you uh, expect to see results from that. The Citizenship readiness assessment, so the needs assessment, the immigrant integration fairs, the working groups, and our community navigators are all together towards citizenship. Um, there's a piece in there that's activating the directly impact on the immigrants. There's the piece that's a partnership. Um, but really, it is about together, being together, working together in Arkansas. The additional pieces to really hone that, obviously, as much as we want to help everybody in every community, and that these resources are definitely notable, um, it it doesn't leave us with the ability of helping every single community that has a need in the state. And that's where there will be some prioritization, and, and the needs assessment gives us a way of targeting. And our goal with this work is really to work ourselves out of a job. There's a lot of systemic change needed. Um, And what brought us originally into this work was the idea of activating immigrant leaders. But you can't activate uh, folks that are working day to day to just live a life of dignity. Mireya Reif is the founding executive director for Arkansas United. We spoke over Zoom last month. The KUAF Giving Tree, now for over a decade working to provide necessary items and support for our area nonprofits, is excited to announce this year's beneficiary, the Yvonne Richardson Community Center. The YRCC is committed to shaping today's youth for tomorrow's challenges by providing recreational, educational, and social opportunities. In short, they're focused on providing accessibility and a place to evolve. The center prides itself on existing as a hub within the community to increase the level of impact gained from those they serve. Throughout the holidays, you'll learn more about the center and its needs, including pre-packaged snacks, sports equipment, coloring, and activity books, and more. Listen for information on the Community Spotlight series, The Giving Tree, and KUAF Public Radio. Your voice matters. Ahead this hour, the 2024 ballot in Arkansas might have plenty of ballot initiatives or not. It depends on the number of valid signatures collected and verified. One of the laws that were changed that the canvassers, you know, they have to have a background check they, and so forth. A lot of these uh, out-of-state entities and yeah. folks would come in, hire a bunch of whoever, and they would just blanket the state and gather the signatures. Uh, and I think it's done a, in a much more professional way uh, now. Secretary of State John Thurston discusses what his office will do with proposed ballot issues as an election year unfolds. His conversation with Roby Rock from our partner, Talk Business and Politics, ahead on today's Ozarks at Large. 
Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season December 9th with two performances of its annual Christmas concert at Walton Arts Center. Performing a mix of holiday favorites under the baton of maestro Paul Haas, musicians will also be joined on stage by the Sona singers and other guests. Tickets at 443-5600 or sonamusic.org. Arkansas Community Foundation supports local ARCF offices to help Arkansans learn how to make an impact through investing in long-term solutions and local giving opportunities throughout the state. More at arcf.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. This week is delivering several firsts and the announcement of a last. The first UAMS Milk Bank is open in northwest Arkansas. The Milk Depot opened in Mercy's Rogers Hospital. The depot is a designated space for women to donate breast milk. The donations are sent to the UAMS Milk Bank for screening, pasteurization, and nutritional analysis. After the processing, the milk can be distributed to hospitals throughout the state. The UAMS Milk Bank is located in Little Rock, just off the main UAMS campus. Before the Milk Bank was established, Arkansas hospitals had to rely on donations from out of state. The Arkansas legislature passed Act 225 two years ago, establishing the Arkansas Milk Bank. Thayden School in Bentonville will, for the first time, accept kindergarten and first grade students in the fall. The school announced yesterday it will start the lower grades in the fall as a step to eventually offer classes for K through 5th grades. Private school currently has 350 students enrolled in in grades 6 through 12. Founding head of school Clayton Marsh says the school is conducting a national search for the head of its new lower school division. Yesterday was a chance for a first look at the new logo for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. The new main logo features a multicolored depiction of trees, mountains, and a stream with a baseball positioned as a rising sun. The image is encased in an outline of the state of Arkansas. It's the first logo change for the AA minor league team since relocating to Springdale in 2008. Other new secondary logos were also released yesterday. Those secondary marks include a red, blue, and yellow chicken as a nod to the poultry industry's presence in Springdale. Those are some really good-looking ball caps. Oh, I can't wait to have one with the chicken on the side. Mm -hmm. If anyone's listening out there for Christmas gift ideas. (laughs) The Symphony of Northwest Arkansas will be the first to perform Aldo Lopez Gavion's piece, Oceans to Cross, next month. The composition is the first ever Sona Symphonic Commission, and the world premiere performance will feature pianist Lara Downs. The Sona January 20th concert will be at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville, and will also include music from Samuel Barber. And after 12 seasons, the Artisphere Orchestra's performances this summer in Fayetteville and Bentonville will be the last for the ensemble. The Artisphere Orchestra will host concerts on May 14th and 18th at Walton Arts Center and then conclude its run with another Mozart at the Museum concert at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville, May 22nd. Though the Artisphere Orchestra will be ending after nearly 40 total performances, the month-long Artisphere celebration sponsored by Walton Arts Center will continue. A full listing of 2024 Artisphere events will be announced early next year. Tickets for the last season of the Artisphere Orchestra are on sale now. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. The latest issue of the magazine is on newsstands and online this week. On the cover, we've got some reporting about a recent study that illustrates just how much the arts 
help power Northwest Arkansas's economy. We also have some reporting on another record-setting year at the Walmart Amp in Rogers. And a recent documentary film by Bentonville-based outdoor apparel company Lives In Designs and Fayetteville-based production company Black Elk Media is earning national and international attention. All that and much more are in the new issue, and you can read the digital version for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. More at ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas, and it shows in your banking experience. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. That's because First Security is 100% focused on serving customers all across the state and nowhere else. It's local banking with local commitment. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Arkansas Secretary of State John Thurston announced this summer that he will run for state treasurer in the next election cycle in 2024, but while he is Secretary of State, he will be responsible for several things, including a variety of ballot issues that could be on the ballot next year. And those ballot issues are a big part of the Secretary of State's duties. In a recent interview with Roby Brock, Thurston discussed that topic and what he expects 2024 to look like. Uh, one of the big components of your job as Secretary of State is to deal with ballot issues, and it looks like you may be really, really busy next summer counting, we, uh, counting ballots, uh, that, or counting signatures that's for right. ballots. So. We may have a, a record, uh, the, the, the most ballot initiatives that, we may, uh, that we've ever seen, possibly. Uh, obviously, it depends on uh, if they're successful in gathering the, the, the correct number of signatures. And uh, of course, we're going to vet them very, very thoroughly. We don't, we don't let our slant, our opinion of the measure sway any of right. uh, of our. Uh, you well, know, you get accuracy. sued pretty quickly. Absolutely, if you absolutely. Did, so so uh, they have to be a registered voter and so forth. And of course, the uh, the canvasser has to. Uh, be qualified to be a canvasser yeah. as well. So There's been a lot of changes to those laws in terms of how that process works. Do you think the process works better now for, for signature collections? Uh, it, it works better for, I guess, us counting. We, they're, they're much more, uh, I guess, uh, vetted and they're accurate and so forth. One of the reasons, uh, one of the laws that were changed that the canvassers, you know, they have to have a background check they, and so forth. A lot of these uh, out-of-state entities and yeah. folks would come in, hire a bunch of whoever, and they would just blanket the state and gather the signatures. Uh, and I think it's done a, in a much more professional way uh, now. Now it's harder. You know, there's more counties that they have to uh, gather signatures from, 
and so forth. But um, uh, it does make it a little bit more challenging on the, the people that are uh, uh, gathering, I guess, uh, the signatures. Is harder better for voters to get something on the ballot that they feel strongly about? I mean, that is one of the... Yeah, yeah, sure. That's one of that's the things the that Arkansas is very unique in that there aren't a lot of states that allow this type of uh, ballot petition um, process. You know, it's a great uh, at venue or way for the public to have their voice heard and not depend so much on the legislature per se. Uh, However, you know, in the, uh, our process is probably uh, the most lenient and easiest in the nation to have constitutional amendments. And when you are dealing with the Constitution, uh, I think the path should be a little bit more challenging uh, to do so. And some would disagree, but that's a debate that we've been right. having, and I'll, I will leave that to the legislatures to. Do uh, you think we're easier than up. California? Because California has hundreds of issues it seems like every well time, maybe so. maybe not quite maybe we're <laughs> close second. maybe we're close right there you right. go um uh, the, another thing too that has changed in that law and i just want to get your opinion on this if you care to share it is the attorney general has gone back to reviewing those uh, ballot titles before they're qualified to go collect signatures do you think that that process is working better than the previous process which we're really going back to the previous, previous process by having the That's AG right. review all of that. Or is there a better way? I think so. I think this is uh, a, a better way than it was when the state board of elections uh, approved the ballot title. One of the reasons it's better is because the state board would approve that ballot title after the signature get, were gathered. You know, it was, it was basically too, too late to change the ballot title and, and so forth. So the folks that were proposing uh, the amendment change or the initiative uh, had no time and they couldn't correct anything. So this way, the attorney general can look at it uh, and then hand it back over and make suggestions. You need to tweak some things and then it, and it makes it easier for uh, the sponsors. And I'm not saying that there's any bias in Attorney General Tim Griffin's uh, review of that process, but you are putting all that power into one person, one office, um, kind of to make that determination. I think some people would argue that there maybe should be some sort of board that, I mean, even the State Board of Election Commissioners could review it before the ballot petition process versus putting sure. it simply in, uh, and it may not be the State Board of Election Commissioners, maybe somebody Whoever, else, yeah, right, but right. there should be maybe a broader representation of people that are interpreting whether or not it should go forward. Do you think there's validity, validity to that argument? Sure, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't lobby against that, uh, that's for sure. I think one of the logic behind the Attorney General is they have uh, the horsepower legally to really look over it and, and comb through it and make sure that, um, you know, the public is fully aware of what they're uh, voting on. And yeah. so that, I think that's the logic behind that. But I don't. I would be open, obviously, for that. To the legislature's going to make that That's determination. That's right. We'll, anyway. We will let them handle that. In other news this week, Bentonville-based outdoor apparel company Lives In Designs announced a seed capital raise led by RZC Investments. That's a Bentonville investment platform for Stewart and Tom Walton. Financial terms of that deal were not disclosed. According to a news release, the investment is expected to support Lives In staff expansion further diversify its product line, and help to scale distribution. Other investors included Cadron Capital Partners and Techstars.
Black Hills Energy is seeking a $44 million rate increase that will add about $15 to average monthly bills for its Arkansas residential customers. If approved, the rates are expected to go into effect in the fourth quarter of 2024. And November's most expensive home sale in Northwest Arkansas was a notable one. According to county property records, the 40-acre Dromborg Castle in South Fayetteville sold for $4.8 million. The property had been on and off the market for years, and at one time with an asking price of over $14 million in 2011, and it was even on the auction block in 2019. The 8,825-square-foot castle has three levels, five bedrooms, and among numerous amenities are heated floors, a six-car garage, an elevator, and a half-acre fishing pond stocked with fish. You can find all of those stories and more at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. We are on the next to last day of the season of giving on air fundraiser. It's a time during the month of December where we take a look back and uh, and reflect on all of the generosity that we have seen so far from our listeners, the contributing listeners, the folks who make one-time gifts throughout the year to make 2023 possible here at a public radio station. We couldn't do it without listener support. So if you've given up to this point, thank you so much. We're we're really grateful for that. We are. And you can give right now at supportkuaf.com. You choose the amount and you choose the method. If you'd like to be a sustaining member, you can do that as well. Give a little bit every month. And then voila, at the end of 12 months, that's a pretty significant gift. But all gifts are significant because we do work together to make sure these programs stay on the air. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the sustaining membership uh, for just a moment here, Kyle. Um, you know, we, we do during this fundraiser see a lot of folks who will give one time. They'll mm-hmm. give, you know, maybe they've been listening for a while throughout the year and they say, okay, I'm, I'm kind of making up for some lost time here. Yeah. I'm going to give, you know, $50, $75, $100 here at the end of the year and make that contribution. We have another option for folks where you can give consistently throughout the year. It might seem like it's a smaller impact because you're giving just a little bit every month throughout the year, but at the end of the year, it makes a really massive difference when you see that final number kind of at the end of the year. When you become a sustaining member of KUAF, it's it's designed to be easy for you. You right. think of it like a membership. You think of it like you know a monthly subscription to any sort of service that you take part in. Uh, and it's great for KUAF too. As a sustainer, you make ongoing monthly contributions, which means your membership is always up to date. There's no renewal reminders and you can remove that uh, that spot on your to-do list that says <laughs> give to KUAF. You don't even have to put that on the list anymore. Your support comes automatically from your checking account or your credit card each month, and you can change that amount anytime that you'd like. 
when you're a KUAF sustainer, you'll enjoy listening to the radio even more each day knowing that you're a part of the community that makes it possible. That sustained gift month over month helps us to continue to bring you the programming like Ozarks at Large and helps us to bring you programming like All Things Considered and Fresh Air and It's Been a Minute. All of that stuff is possible because of your contributions on a monthly basis. Here's what I do. When you become a sustainer, instead of not ever having Give to KUAF on your list, every first day of the month, put it there and give yourself the agency to, oh, mm. that's right, I'm a sustaining member, automatic withdrawal, and you start the month off with something already achieved. That's, that's what I would do. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Um, if if you like that satisfaction of starting out every month with at least one thing done mm-hmm. on your to-do list, you can become a sustaining member. You can find out more about that, how to do it, You know, some guidance perhaps on how much you ought to give. Whether or not you want to do it as a direct deposit uh, or a direct withdrawal, I suppose, or from a credit card, any of that information, you can do all of that at the website supportkuaf.com. And thank you. This month's Short Talks from the Hill features Mervyn Jabaraj. As director of the Center for Business and Economic Research in the Sam Walton College of Business, Jabaraj leads a team of researchers who provide applied economic and business research to federal, state, and local government and to businesses in Arkansas. In the podcast, Jabaraj discusses inflation, consumer sentiment, and economic growth in northwest Arkansas. The center recently released the Northwest Arkansas Region Report, an analysis of the Northwest Arkansas economy. Jeparaj explained what goes into the making of this report. When we compared ourselves to the first set, uh, we were a lot better. So we let's like make this a little harder and try regional comparisons that are bigger than us. Think of Tulsa or Kansas City or Omaha, which is a little further away than those two uh, metro regions. But they're larger metro areas, have a lot more people, a lot more businesses and so on. So we wanted to compare ourselves to the larger metro areas that were near us. Again, we were outperforming them, you know, not in terms of size, but in terms of growth. You can listen to Jebaraj wherever you get your podcasts or by going to arkansasresearch.uark.edu, the home of research and economic development news at the University of Arkansas. This is Ozarks at Large. Earlier this week, I was in Berryville to learn more about the continuing work to build a new library. An effort to raise $3.5 million started in 2021, and it's bearing fruit. If successful, an anonymous matching challenge to raise another $150,000 by the end of this year would bring the library supporters within $300,000 of their ultimate goal. To help meet that $150,000 deadline, the Friends of the Berryville Library are hosting a bake and book sale tomorrow. Elaine Floyd, the incoming president of the organization, says it takes place from 9 until 4.30. In the Berryville Square, uh, right next to the uh, Carroll County Genealogical and Historical Society building, we are having a book and bake sale, bake and book, excuse me. There's going to be baked goods and also used books, gently used books there, and all of the proceeds will go to benefit the Friends of the Berryville Library and the Building Fund. The Berryville Library is in a city with a population of more than 5,600 people, But Julie Hall, the director of the library, says it serves more than twice as many people as that. Our service area, our service population, is estimated to be about 10 to 12,000 because that takes many of the unincorporated rural areas surrounding us. And in, in the Carroll County libraries, people who live in Missouri are welcome to come over and get a library card as well. So neighboring counties, contiguous neighboring counties, can also get library cards. So we serve probably 10 to 12,000 
an area with 10, 10 to 12,000 people. And we're going to learn a lot more about the Berryville Library's push to get a new building on our show next week. But we want to let you know the bake and book sale to help that push is tomorrow from 9 until 4.30 at the Community Room on the Berryville Square. This Saturday, shoppers from 1 to 92 are invited to the NWA Holiday Makers Market at Loloft in downtown Rogers. The event will feature dozens of local vendors ranging from jewelry makers to artisanal food creators. Paola Ibarra is the chief marketing officer for Loloft, and she says this year's market is in an expanded space, which means more room for vendors and shopping. We're so happy like to be able to support more vendors to just come and also, we included the Arkansas Arts Academy. So there are going to be some local artists showing their artworks. So this space just provides um, more of this and help us to create more experiences for the people that's going to attend. Abara says attendees are invited to come dressed in their favorite ugly Christmas sweaters this Saturday as well. We just wanted like to look more warm and cozy and like people just like feel that same vibe. Loloft, when it's not a holiday makers market, acts as a co-working space that features micro warehouses for local entrepreneurs to make use of the industrial space on First Street. The NWA Makers Market takes place on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. More details can be found by searching NWA Makers Market on Eventbrite. This is Ozarks at Large. Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with the Egit Duo. Dear friends and amazing artists Joshua Gardner and Stephanie Gardner performing This Changes Everything, a piece by American composer Alex Temple. Temple's eclectic music draws from classical and popular music styles while creating new meanings. She composed This Changes Everything, originally for saxophone and electronics, in 2006. The version we're hearing today for clarinets was written in 2017. The composer says about this piece, quote, I was working on a cello duo and I just couldn't get excited about it. At the time, I was listening almost exclusively to Oingo Boingo, and it suddenly occurred to me, why am I trying to write chamber music when all I want to hear is spiky, nervy, new wave? So I sat down with some synth software, and it changed everything. 
The result was a genre of Andy piece that takes 80s synthesizers, industrial drums, a Wendy Carlos fugue, a post-minimalist ending, and a big yellow buzzing ugly microtonal slow section and squeezes them all into something resembling sonata form, end quote. Let us continue listening to this fun piece, which has been described as a bath of fluorescent light.
you tap into the beaming and dazzling nature of the edged duo Joshua Gardner clarinet and Stephanie Gardner bass clarinet playing This Changes Everything by American composer Alex Temple. Lighting music can be presented in many ways. Whether it is metaphorical or literal, its presence has the potential to shape listeners' emotions and atmospheres. Our second piece today, Light It Up, is an invitation to shine by singer-songwriter, producer, and performing artist from Nebraska, Drion. Drion is an alumnus of Berkeley College of Music who graduated with a bachelor's degree in songwriting and a minor in Africana studies. He is a survivor of the foster care system and an activist for foster care reform. Drion proudly partners with national foster care organizations as an ambassador to help champion the needs of foster youth in this underserved community. The recording we're listening to today is from a May of 2020 recording for the Berkeley Anywhere concert series. I've been cast down Cause I was looking for a way out People dying in my hometown You don't know How many dreams I didn't let go Like Dr. King, they were shot cold Because I dreamed beyond the front porch But the world keeps spinning round and round And I ain't about to give up now Keep this in mind in a matter of time The sun comes back around Hey, I'm looking for a brighter day I'm looking for a better way I'm waiting for the sun to come To shine its light on a really dark night Light it up And let it shine on me Hey, light it up I wanna see it shine, shine, shine How many times I done fell down Trying to be someone I can't now Cause I was hanging with the wrong crowd Hey, you don't know How I sat in church on Sunday But when I ran into Monday All my problems came to haunt me But the world keeps spinning round and round And I ain't about to give up now Keep this in mind in a matter of time The sun comes back around Hey, I'm looking for a brighter day I'm looking for a better way I'm waiting for the sun to come 
to shine its light on a really dark night. Light it up and let it shine, man. Hey, light it up. I wanna see you shine, shine, shine. That was Light It Up by singer, songwriter, and producer Dreon. Today in Sound Perimeter, we explore light in music. I hope you enjoyed our selections and wish you a bright day filled with music and guided by our collective dreams of a better and brighter world. This is Leah Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me and produced by Sophia Nurani, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. Have a bright day. Hey, I'm looking for a brighter day. I'm looking for a better way. I'm waiting for the sun to come To shine its light on a really dark night Light it up Hey And let it shine on me Light it up I wanna see you shine, shine, shine This is 91.3 KUAF This is also the Season of Giving Fundraising Week on air at 91.3 KUAF. That's right. This is a time of season where uh, we come on the air throughout the day, throughout the week, to remind you that this is a listener-supported service. And uh, listener support is how we keep this service available to you. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, it's your turn to do so. Now is the time to make a gift. You can do that at supportkuaf.com. You mentioned earlier this hour, Matthew, that today is the penultimate day. Right. Yesterday, this is this is something you get from hanging out with the militant grammarian for several <laughs> years. Yesterday, Wednesday, was the anti-penultimate day of the on-air fundraiser. As an A-N-T-E. Yes. Tuesday was the pro-anti-penultimate day of the fundraiser. Monday, no, I got that wrong. Tuesday was the pre-anti-penultimate day. Monday was the pro-pre-anti-penultimate day of the fundraiser. Well, tomorrow is the final day of... That's just the ultimate day, right? <laughs> but there are all those words do exist. That's... These are the things you learn <laughs> and perhaps forget later when you listen to Ozarks at Large and public radio. You can take this with you and impress people at a party. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it won't take you too many cocktails into a party. To... <laughs> well, don't try to do that after too many cocktails because I was here on caffeine and I was having a hard time. But yeah, um, you know, we have fun here as well on public radio. There's a lot that you have to discuss if you're a news station mm -hmm. that isn't fun. But with our quizzes and our staff recommendations and visitors like um, the Militant Grammarian, we also like to have fun on Ozarks at Large and KUAF. Film reviews from Courtney Lanning, yep. talking about what's going on over the weekend with Becca Martin-Brown. These are all things that you're getting on Ozarks at Large. As we look at you know the larger programming, I think of the fun conversations that we hear on It's Been a Minute. Um, we hear conversations about weird and quirky science things with Radiolab. Yeah. Um, Radiolab is one of those shows where uh, every time I listen to it, I think, man, 
how is the show so good every single time? And it's the kinds of topics that I don't think I'm going to be interested in. If I were picking through a list of podcast episodes, I might just kind of skip over it because I don't think Mm -hmm. I need to know about it. But when I turn it on the radio and I listen to it, I can't help but stay tuned into it. I think of our Sunday lineup at KUAF as that all day long from weekend edition and then Weekend Ozarks at Large, you have This American Life, How I Built This, Planet Money, The Ted Radio Hour, On the Media, Reveal, Latino USA, Yeah, all things considered. I mean, I think I'm forgetting a a show or two in there. But it's just amazing if you turn on the radio on Sunday at 7 and keep it on there through, you know, 8 at night. Yeah. So many different things you're going to learn about. And all of those programs cost us money. Yes. They cost us money here at KUAF. And the reason that we are willing and uh, and able to do that is because we know how important it is to our community to have those sorts of serendipitous moments, those sort of things where I didn't know I wanted to know this. I think that's one of my favorite attributes of public radio is thinking out loud like, I didn't know I wanted to know this, but I'm so glad I do now. And that is one of the appeals and uh, competitive edges that public radio offers that you don't really find in any other kind of media outlet. Now, the staff here at KUAF alone can't pay for those programs. Right. And that we didn't even... In that those weekend lists, we didn't even talk about Morning Edition, All Things Considered, and Fresh Air, three of our most expensive programs. We have to turn to you. That's right. And we know that these are the sorts of conversations, these are the sorts of moments that you look forward to, that you um, you, you tell us about. Like, I'm so glad I got to hear that conversation on Ozarks at Large. I'm so glad that you talked to this author about this book, um, because it's something I've been wondering about for a long time. So thank you for doing that. Because we know it's important to you, we turn to you to help us continue making that available to our entire listening community. And you can do that at supportkuaf.com. That's right. This is Ozarks at Large, a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville. Contributors to today's show included Paul Gatling and Leah Uribe. And Roby Brock. Let's not forget Roby Brock. Roby Brock. Thank you, We Roby. don't forget you, Roby. Uh, and you know what? When you wake up Monday morning, just know that you are starting the pro-pre-anti-penultimate day before the weekend. (laughs) You sure are, Kyle. You sure (laughs) are. I'm something. All right. Uh, We're going to have another show for you tomorrow, brand new show, on the ultimate day of this on-air fundraiser. Uh, Matthew, I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. We will see you tomorrow. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College one of 40 schools featured in Colleges That Change Lives by author Lauren Pope. Hendricks is nationally recognized among private liberal arts colleges for academic quality, engaged learning, and value. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more. Support for KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, offering holiday gifts for the family gardener. Wind chimes, garden tools, a variety of pots, and Westwood Garden gift certificates are available in-store or online at westwoodgardens.com.